This is the Bigger Pockets Podcast, show 134. I want to be a millionaire. I want to say that my net worth is at a million. And I'm happy to say that with investing in real estate, it was relatively easy to make those numbers grow. You're listening to Bigger Pockets Radio, simplifying real estate for investors large and small. If you're here looking to learn about real estate investing without all the hype, you're in the right place. Stay tuned and be sure to join the millions of others who have benefited from BiggerPockets.com, your home for real estate investing online. What's going on, everybody? This is Josh Dorkin, host of the Bigger Pockets podcast, here with my co-host, Mr. Brandon Turner. What up, B? What up? I feel uh, I feel pretty cool today because we are talking to a cool guy, and I'm not a cool guy normally, but today I feel a little cooler. Yeah, well, you know, you need it. I think I I do need it. I'm like <laughs> I'm like the nerdy white kid that gets beat up a lot. You know, so <laughs> is that is that why you pick fights with guys bigger than you wherever you go? I didn't pick a fight with today's guest. We just got done you recording, and I didn't. I should have. You we, didn't. You should. Yeah, that would have been funny. Yeah, I challenge you to a bike off. <laughs> I I could do that. Yeah, today's show, you guys are gonna love this. Guy's a uh, a professional BMX bike rider. Does some amazing stuff. I was actually watching YouTube uh, just a little bit ago. He was on Ellen, uh, the show oh, yeah. like Ellen and he's doing some amazing stuff. We'll put- uh, He was on Glee. He was on Glee. We'll put a link to the Ellen thing. Uh, we'll actually embed the YouTube video on the show notes page at biggerpockets.com slash show 134. So make sure you check that out. It's it's incredible what he can do. So uh, we'll yeah. get to that in a minute. But before we do, why don't we come to today's quick tip? tip. All right. Today's quick tip is actually based on something we're going to talk about later in the show. Uh, in the show, uh, the guest mentioned the idea of a how- a property manager can help you find uh, good deals. And so I want to expand on that a little bit. I had a conversation with a guy. Uh, we went out to lunch, a BP uh, member a few weeks ago, and he asked me what he should do to get started finding deals. He can't find them in the MLS. And I said, well, here's a very, very simple thing to do. Go every week to one local property management company and just go introduce yourself and say hello and tell them you're, you're looking for properties. If they have any owners that want to sell, you know, you want to sell. I mean, I even told them to bring donuts if you have to make them love you. Cause they're usually like, I mean, this sounds really, really like, uh, I'm stereotyping, but most property management companies are older women that work there. I see it all the time. They're like 50, 60 year old women that work way, there. Way to do it, man. I'm just way saying, to, I see way that. to go there. That I was, see. that was, you know, I mean, you, you had to do it, right? I had to control it. I, I couldn't control myself. So like e- women named Edith and, and Gertrude, <laughs> is that, is that kind uh, of what you're saying? Oftentimes there are older women. So if you go there, they I don't know. They like me because like, it's like (laughs) Brandon's in here. And so like, I don't know. I build that relationship because I'm like the young guy that's eager about real estate. So build that relationship, bring them donuts if you need to. And every week go to a different one. So you repeat them. I don't know what once every month or two and just let them know you're looking for deals. If they have any owners that want to sell, you know, you'd love to, to get in touch with them. And yeah, they, they're happy to give leads because they're hoping you'll keep their business with them instead of taking it elsewhere. Yeah. So yeah. there you go. That's a quick tip. That was kind of good long. tip. Good tip. Thanks. A little long, but you know, solid, except for the part where you, you that's know, what, that's what she insulted said. property managers. Did you really? <laughs> um, What's better than low money down? No money down. Now through rent to retirement, you can buy a brand new construction turnkey rental property for no money down. Wait, hold on. This can't be right. We need to double check with Zach, rental retirement CEO. Oh, hey, Rob. Zach, how the heck are you selling turnkey rental properties for $0 down? (laughs) It's not that complicated, Rob. 
Rent to Retirement has new construction properties up to $20,000 below retail prices. We also have investor loans with rates as low as 3.99% and down payment options as low as 5% or sometimes even zero money down. You get all the cash flow, appreciation, and equity for as little as zero money down. That's an infinite return. Oh, wait, wait. Let me get on this before we tell it to the whole Bigger Pockets audience. Just head to renttoretirement.com. That's renttoretirement.com or text REI to 33777. That's REI to 33777 to learn more about how you can get started investing with no money down today. Get your next new construction property at a steep discount or invest with no money down. Head to renttoretirement.com today. You might think you want real estate, but that's not true. What you really want is passive income. With new investors struggling to find deals or get enough money to buy them and veteran landlords tired of the constant tenant phone calls, is there a better alternative? Actually, there is. Short notes from Connect Invest. Connect Invest is an online investing platform that allows you to easily participate in passive real estate investing, and all you need is $500 to start. Short Notes collectively funds a diversified portfolio of commercial and residential real estate projects across acquisition, construction, and development phases. You'll earn a fixed monthly income without the hassle of owning or managing real estate. Head to connectinvest.com BP to create your account. Fund your digital wallet with at least $500. Select from 6, 12, and 24-month short notes with annualized return rates up to 9%. Then sit back and let your monthly returns roll in. Join today by visiting connectinvest.com VP. Connectinvest.com VP. Every lender loves to talk about how easy it is to get a mortgage. Then when it's time to fund your next deal, they ask for your full financials, your blood type, your mother's famous spaghetti recipe, and a map to the fountain of youth. Sound familiar? You, you got all that handy, right? Why not switch to a lender who actually makes qualifying for a loan easy? A lender like Host Financial. Host Financial takes the tedious tax returns, endless W-2s, and time-consuming financial requests out of the picture. Their light doc and common sense underwriting guidelines mean frictionless transactions every time. You'll even be able to use the actual or projected income of the short-term or long-term rental you're looking to purchase or pull equity out of. That's what lending built for investors looks like. So take the next step and grow your portfolio faster. Visit hostfinancial.com to request a quote in as fast as 60 seconds, which is faster than this ad. If not, it's pretty close. That's host, H-O-S-T, financial.com. Again, that's host, H-O-S-T, financial.com. All right, today's show, we've got a guy who, when I told my brother-in-law, Jesse, uh, about it, he was very excited. Uh, let's just say th- this guy is a superstar. This guy is a gold medal winner. and he, Not, not uh, in the Olympics. X Games, <laughs> but gold medal winner in the X Games is pretty much a gold medal in the Olympics because they, they don't do that in the Olympics. So right, it's right. the same. Wow. I'm just. We I'm, haven't even got Terry. <laughs> if you're listening, I apologize in advance. And it's a good thing that you didn't hear this before you know, we did our interview because we're recording I just this wanna, right after the interview. I want people to know he's not like Michael Phelps. He didn't swim, you know? It, I'm, it do, I'm setting you up for a cooler thing, which is the X Games. Yeah, he didn't, I'm he, building this, him up. Okay, yeah. So he, he, he do, he's an artist. The, the, what this guy does on a bike is unbelievable. And what's really cool is, you know, smart enough to know that he's not going to be, you know, making money as a biker forever. And so he sought to get into real estate and, uh, we we really get to dig in and talk about mindset and other things. Uh, the guy I'm talking about, his name is Terry Adams, and I'm super excited to bring him 
So let's let's get to the show. Terry, it's a pleasure to have you on the show. Thanks for joining us. Oh, thanks for having me on, man. Greatly appreciated. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know very much about you, except for that your name, when I type it into Google, comes up with like a lot of results. So uh, apparently people know who you are. Seriously? That's that's all I that's really all I know. Can you explain? I apologize for my co-host because you know, and you know, yeah. we have guests who should be known and guests who shouldn't be known and he's kind of a big deal, Brandon. T- tell me why. Terry, what what do you do? To to make a really long story short, uh, the t- I ri- I'm a professional BMX rider and uh and and BMX there's a, a ton of different types of BMX. There's BMX racing, the guys racing, there's uh, BMX park guys doing the the ramps, and what I do is BMX flatland, and it's uh it's it's a, a very niche side of the sport. Um, it's almost like dancing on the bike, and it's all done on the flatland. So I've kind of built my career uh, around BMX flatland over the last uh, twenty years or so. Very cool. And, you know, by career you mean something like what? I mean, you, not a big deal, but I think you won a gold medal. I mean, not not really that big a deal. We don't we don't have to talk about the gold medal that you won, but you know, yeah, I think you won a gold medal, didn't you? Yeah, you can mention it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's cool because as small as Flatland is, I've kind of learned how to promote myself just as an athlete or a BMX rider, and that's how I've kind of stood out in the industry to to be as successful as I am as far as obtaining sponsors because, you know, Flatland may be small, but if I can get Flatland uh, and all these media outlets just like everyone else, then I'm able to obtain the sponsors that, that the other riders are getting. So that, that's kind of how I've ran my, ran my gig for, for a while and it's, uh, it's worked out for me. So I'm, I'm super happy about it. Well, that's cool. great. And and I, I will tell you that when, when my brother-in-law found out that we were interviewing you, he lost his mind. So you know, uh, that's awesome. Yeah, man. man. Well, we got you here, you know, not to talk about BMX, but you know, obviously we're happy to talk about it. We we've got you here because you are a real estate investor, correct? That's correct. Yeah. All right. So let's, let's get into that. Why, you know, why would a guy like you, I mean, you're out there working your job, which is, you know, to be a professional athlete, why did you decide to get into property? You know, you could have put money in the market. I'm sure you have. You know, put put money elsewhere. Why real estate? Uh, I guess the easiest way for me to put it is, you know, riding a bike for a living. You know, you're, I kind of grew up wanting to ride bikes. It was a dream of mine. You know, it was like 100. percent I was a kid with my whole walls were plastered in guys that rode bikes. Well, at the time I was a kid, I didn't really realize that those guys were actually making money doing it or they had monthly salaries doing it. I just wanted to be as good as those guys and be in the magazine. So after you know, my focus was just being in the magazines, just being in the magazines and, and the videos, which was VHS tapes back then, <laughs> uh, I, uh, I became obsessed with it enough to where I put myself in the media so much, I kind of earned a spot for myself to obtain those sponsors that would actually pay me a monthly salary. Well, then when I got to that point, uh, it kind of really didn't feel like a job. You know, I was kind of like, man, I'm riding my bike. I'm kind of living my childhood dream. These companies are paying me to do what I love. And so I started to think, obviously, man, what am I going to do after this? You know, what, what can I do to create the same feeling? And the feeling that I got was just getting checks in the mail, you know, for, <laughs> for, for just doing, for doing nothing. So, so I kind of landed on, on real estate 
you know, for that main reason is that when you invest in a rental property, besides the fact that you're building wealth every month because your tenants are putting money into your equity of your home, you are getting these checks in the mail. And it kind of felt exactly the same way as it did as, as being sponsored by these companies. So that's kind of what got me interested is, you know, I don't ever want this life to end. So when the sponsors and the bike riding career does end, how can I supplement that income and keep doing the same thing that I'm doing, which is essentially just riding my bike and, you know, doing kind of whatever I want to do. So, nice. so there's no like geriatric BMX tour. No. <laughs> oh, all right. All right. Yeah. I mean, golf, you've got it. So uh, yeah, you never know. Yeah. I mean, there, we have, we have a world, we have a world circuit, you know, yeah. and, uh, that, that circuit's four stops. Sometimes I attend it. Sometimes I don't. One of the stops on the circuit is here in new Orleans. I'm the, one of the organizers of, of that stop and it's this month on the 25th. Oh, cool. Well, if it's ever in Denver, please uh, come on and let us know, man. We'd love Will to do. come and check it out, but cool. So so you chose real estate, and and I think a lot of people agree with you about the checks in the mail thing. You know, it's it's kind of nice to you know on the first of the month go to the mailbox and and suddenly you got checks or you've got you know money in the bank, and and that's that's a beautiful thing. So let let's get into your beginnings. And and before the show, we talked about uh, your you know you had talked about making mistakes and wanting to be this guy who could help spread the word about to people who are just getting started about w- what this thing is like. So, A, I love that. And we really appreciate people who are open about just, you know, the ups, the downs. And let's kind of go to the very beginning. What was the first property that you looked at? What, what was that deal like? And, and walk us through it. Yeah, it actually started off, you know, my whole, a, a lot of my family grew up in trailers. And uh, the first property I had was a trailer. And when I had that trailer, I didn't have the mindset that I had now. You know, I was basically just living com- comfortable. You know, I was like, in my head, I'm like, I got these couple companies that are paying me, man, I'm going to stay in this trailer. I'm going to pay it off and I'm going to, I'm going to stay in here. And this is, this is going to be my forever home. You know, at that point in my life, I didn't really realize that I could have more or that I even wanted more, you know? So there was a couple times where I even considered, you know, br- taking that mobile home and putting bricks over it and like hurricane proofing that thing because <laughs> b- because in my mind, you know, I kind of felt like not that that's all I could ever have, but that's kind of where my mindset was. You know, I didn't, you know, a, a lot of my family growing up didn't really teach me to, to invest money or, you know, basically I was comfortable where I was at, you know, and I, I came across a good friend of mine, Bobby Carter, suggested a book to me, Secrets of the Millionaire Mind. And that book was basically uh, a great starting point for me. I'm not, a big, I'm not a big reader, but it was very simplistic to where I understood it. And it was basically changing my mindset about money is what the whole book's about. You know? And at that point in my life, I didn't have a mindset about money. My mindset about money was just, I want to get this trailer paid off. And and I'm going to be sitting, sitting pretty, you know, it never in my wildest dreams that I thought, you know, I didn't even know what an asset was or how to acquire one, you know? Um, so after reading that book to say it opened my eyes was an understatement. You know, I, I completely just lost it when I realized that, you know, you could create passive income and, you know, passive income, obviously, you know, being money that's created from your investments that passive income just reminded me of what I was already getting, you know? So, so that first step was taking that trailer, 
buying me a home and using the trailer as rental property. And I still use that. I still have that trailer and uh, still use it as rental property today. That's awesome. So yeah, great. I, I want to talk about that first one then. I mean, like, did you like, I mean, how, how did you find tenants when you first started? How did you know what you were doing? Did you read books? Did you just guess and figure it out? Did you, you know, how'd that first time go as a landlord? Yeah. I mean, I, I can remember one of the first properties that we that we bought, my wife and I, uh, well, the first one I bought was in, in Michigan, uh, and I'm in Louisiana, but you know, I just heard that, you know, my, my friend was buying, buying homes in, in Michigan for real cheap, you know, cause you can, because the sure. audio, the auto industry crashed or whatnot. And so he was getting houses as low as 500 bucks, you know, or $10,000, 15 grand. So I was watching him kind of buy a lot of them. So I said, well, man, I want to do that. So the first thing I did was just get on the phone and I just kind of basically grew the balls to, to buy the, to, to buy this thing over the phone. You know, I, I saved up some cash over there. You, you had to buy the property cash. Um, cause most of the offers come in cash and you just can't get financing from them. A lot of the investors are coming in out of state. So I just, uh, you know, grew a pair and, and called up and did everything over the phone. I uh, had the real estate agent, you know, you know, sign, have her sign at closing as power of attorney. And I bought that one cash. And then when I realized that money started coming in, I was, I was kind of at a point where like, man, like I'm in my new house, you know, the trailer's rented out. And now this note that's coming, uh, this ain't this passive income that's coming in is basically paying half of my house note right now. And it was kind of getting over that fear and getting getting out of my comfort zone to buy that first one because as you know every everything that you're not comfortable with it it seems challenging but yeah. then when you when you do one or two you're like this is this is nothing to me so so that's kind of where i'm at right now is challenging myself and my business partner and i challenging ourselves to get out of that comfort zone and and do some bigger investments but to answer your question you know that that I'm sorry I'm kind of rambling right now. It's all right, I like this. Ramble on, man. One of the uh, the first properties that my wife and I bought in this state, we were very concerned. Like, is this going to rent? We were like, you know, we were parking our cars on the street that the house was on. We were talking to the neighbors around. We were sitting out there for hours and hours upon the day, wondering should we put in an offer because we thought it might have been in a bad neighborhood. And now. You know, today after I'm more comfortable doing this stuff, I don't think twice. The last thing I'm going to do is go sit on a street and see what <laughs> cars drive by, or, or, or see what kind of, uh, or see what kind of people are in the area. We just kind of run the numbers really quick and pull the trigger. And when I say run the numbers, it's this. You know, we don't really run a rate of return. We just run: is this thing going to cash flow, and uh, is it going to cash flow after insurance and property taxes are paid? And so, tell me about like. You're right. I mean, you say you don't necessarily anymore look for, you know, the idea of the neighborhood and all that. Like, how bad of a neighborhood will you buy in, just out of curiosity? Like, I mean, like, will you buy anything as long as you think it'll give a return in the long run? Like, how does that work for you? Uh, well, where I kind of lucked up was is uh, when I when I was searching for, you know, a tenant for one of my first properties, I called a property management company over to kind of get some advice on what it would rent for and just, you know, what kind of houses does he have down in the area? Because that's some good advice from someone, someone that's like scared about buying a house down in a neighborhood that they typically wouldn't rent, uh, live down themselves. The easiest thing to do, but what I've learned is 
call a property management company that's close to your to, in your town, and nine times out of ten, they're probably going to manage some rentals down that street. Yeah. And so, not only they're going to tell you what those houses are renting for, they can pretty much kind of tell you, you know, you know what what your experience is going to be like investing down that street. So that's what I did. I called that. I called him over there, and oddly enough, me and him just wind up having some similar mindsets. And that guy ended up being my my business partner today, which is which his name is Kenny Barnes, and he's been in real estate for you know over twenty years. So his company manages over five hundred properties. So uh, after I kind of realized that and met him that first day, I spent as much time as I could going to his office before we were partners, just asking questions because he's like. Uh, you know, a wealth book of knowledge on this stuff. So I'm super thankful to have, have run into someone that was, you know, willing to, to give some advice. That's great. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. I was going to say two things I wanted to point out in there that I thought were just really good tips. One, your idea, uh, you talk about call up a property management company. I say that all the time to people when they say, well, I don't really know, like, I don't know how much it'll rent for. I'm nervous about that. Like you're hundred percent spot on there. Call up a property management company. They're, they'll typically tell you anything you want to know. They're just people like you are like, just build a relationship. I love that. And, uh, secondly, just the idea of, uh, that kind of mentor, the guy who trained you and taught you, you don't, you didn't go, you know, pay a hundred thousand dollars for somebody to sell you a book. You know, you went to somebody who was actually doing it, who was in the market and you learned from that guy. And I think both those things are just awesome tips. Yeah. I mean, the biggest thing that I've learned is that if you find someone that's successful in in real estate, you know, nine times out of 10, they're going to want to tell you their story, you know, because their, their story is going to be unique and everyone got there a different way. Everyone can skin a, skin a cat differently. So, uh, there's, there's been a handful of guys that, that I get advice from that I consider mentors. And I always go to those guys and those, those guys have no problem telling me how they became successful. And, um, and that's, that's, what's great about this is that, um, the knowledge that I get from them, I can pass down to, to, to guys that are also doing the same thing. That's great. And that's why we do this show. I mean, we, we want to get that knowledge and get it out to as many people as possible. And, and, uh, thank you of course for being on for, uh, being able to share it. So let, let, let's dig in a little. I, I am one, you know, I, I think I would get thousands and thousands of emails if I did not go, <laughs> go there. So I have to go there. I, I bash on, on a little town called Detroit, um, mm-hmm. be, because I think it's one of those places where, uh, the unsophisticated, unsophisticated investor should probably avoid for the most part due to a number of reasons. But I don't know if you're, when you're in Michigan, you're, you're investing in Detroit, but what was that like? Who's managing the properties? It sounds like early on it was good. You know, has it been a good experience for you? Have you had issues and problems? Tell us a little bit more about that property. And I don't know if you've picked up more in the area. Yeah. About that experience. We, actually, it does, it does pretty well. And uh, one of the biggest reasons for investing out, out there and one of the biggest reasons why I, I kind of push a couple people that are getting into real estate there is because it's affordable for them. You know, sure. a, a, a lot of people, they, they can't afford the 20% down or are they looking to buy a property cash to get that full cash flow back? And Michigan's somewhere where you can go and do that. So I've actually pushed some, some guys to go there and get some of their first rentals there. And it was good for them because, you know, say you buy a house 20,000 cash and you're getting 650 a month for it. Well, you know, you can't really put twenty thousand cash in the bank and get six fifty a month for it. So, you know, even if even if that property is vacant for two or three months, 
what bank's going to give you, you know, four grand on, on $20,000. So that's kind of, I've sold it to, to a lot of friends and, and I've kind of told them that it's worked out there for me and, and they've went over there and did, the, and did the exact same thing. So the town that I invested in is Saginaw, Michigan. So okay. it's, uh, they call it the nasty. It's, it's, it's pretty close to Detroit, you know, uh-huh. but, uh, no, it's, it's been a good experience as far as uh, a management company. Most, most real estate agents, uh, in those areas, as soon as you buy the property, they'll offer to manage it as well. So I think there's more of that going on than actual management companies. I could be wrong. Don't quote me on that. But um, the real estate agent I worked with and a real estate agent my friend has worked with, that's kind of how it's worked out. As soon as they closed on the property, they started looking for a management company. And then the real estate agent's like, well, well, I manage 10 or 20 of them. I can do it. And yeah. you know, it's been a pretty all in all pretty positive experience. You know, the, the only the only thing that we kind of run into is the the property taxes are a little bit high with the winter and with the winter property taxes, I guess because of the the street cleaning of the snow and stuff. Oh, interesting. Gotcha. gotcha. So, I mean, at the end of the day, obviously, six hundred something bucks to twenty k is somewhere around twenty high twenties, low thirty percent ROI. If you're paying cash, and am I doing the math right, Brandon? And you, I, mean, uh, I don't know. I lost you. <laughs> it's you know de- decent return as long as the properties are you know are are maintained. Do, do these properties that you're buying are they needing fix up or are they um, are they good to go from from the beginning? Uh, it it all depends. I mean, in in Michigan, that particular property, you you can spend twenty to twenty five thousand in Michigan and get something pretty much ready to rent. Uh, you can get something for ten thousand sometimes and just put a little bit of work in it and have it ready to rent. Uh, we have kind of a different business model that we're doing over here. Uh, right now we're, um, uh, we, we've kind of switched over to not using any of our own, own liquid cash. We have a great relationship with the bank. Uh, and, uh, we can talk about that in a little bit if you want building these relationships and building a team. But over here now we're kind of buying properties that are a little bit distressed and need renovation. And then, you know, we're buying them cash with a line of credit and then going back and putting those properties on permanent financing and then taking the money and then putting it back on our, our line of credit. Yep. And then our line of credits paid back down and then just keep reusing that line in a creative financing way. That's you know, a- that way, that way we're never using our, our own liquid anymore. You know? Yeah. I love that strategy. I call that the Burr strategy because it's the buy, yeah. rehab, rent, refinance, repeat, and you yeah. just it, it, you can recycle that money over and over and over. You know, as long as you can get that refinance, um, yeah, you can just keep if, doing it. And then if you're doing your your line, you know, if you're using your line correctly, nine times out of ten, you know, the bank is going to then you know hopefully up your line, and you can keep building that relationship to where you know your fifty thousand dollar line will turn into a two hundred thousand dollar line or a five hundred thousand dollar line it just all depends on your loyalty to that bank and uh and and the relationship you have with them so how would yeah. you recommend somebody who's new um start doing that where where they work you know get into burr as brandon calls it but you know they start building out that line of credit and and can start to to utilize that uh you know fix rehab sell it and get out refinance yeah, I mean, there's a ton of different ways to do it. Obviously, the you know the the way a lot of people are doing these things, as you know, is just putting twenty percent down, and that what's typically needed for an investment property. But you know, I I had a, a good friend of mine uh, and his wife, Tiger and Rach. You know, they kind of wanted to to do the line of credit method and and 
finance a hundred percent of this thing and then go back and, and put it on permanent finance. And so, uh, they didn't have a, a, a big relationship with the bank, but we kind of brought, brought them in there, kind of vouched for them and, and told the bank that, look, these guys knows, know, know what they're doing. They already have a couple rentals. You know, we suggest that you start working with these guys because one day they're going to be doing a lot of stuff. So our advice is work with them because they're kind of on the same path and mind frame that we had and, and mindset that we have. So that bank started them off with a $50,000 line of credit. And so it was kind of a, it was kind of a test or a challenge. Like, let's see if they can do it with 50,000, you know? And so they're, they, they just got the line. It was 50,000. They found a house for 36. They bought it cash out of the line. And then they had, what is that left to, to renovate the house out of 36? Uh, 14. They have fourteen thousand yeah. uh, dollars. They're just about done with the house right now, and um, so they'll have around around fifty in it or so, and it'll probably appraise for for seventy. So the it, it proven to work with just a fifty thousand dollar line. So and you know some people think maybe I can't get maybe I can't get that line. Maybe I can't maybe I can't go to a bank and they're going to loan me eighty percent of this property. Well. You got to kind of treat these banks. What we've learned, they're just like a retail store. You know, you go in one. If they tell you no, just walk into the next one and, and ask the next one. And that's kind of what we did. You know, when we first started, is we'd go to a bank and we'd we'd show them our portfolio, we'd show them our 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 financial statement, and if they weren't impressed, we'd go to the next bank and yep. we'd make sh- we'd make sure to tell every bank that you know we are in this for the long haul. We, we're, we're trying to work with someone that understands that we're going to be doing this for a long time and that we're going to be doing this aggressively. So if you don't want to work with us, we are going to go down the street and we're going to find someone else to work with us. So, That's great. You know, so in, a, in a way, we weren't, we weren't really being cocky about it, but we were kind of just being truthful. So we landed on a, a local bank here that's just been really good for us. And now when stuff gets pushed to the board, when our loans get pushed up there, you know, they know that maybe we're not the bigger, biggest investors in the area, but they do know that, man, these guys are on the come up and they are investing aggressively. And we do want to keep working with them because we believe that they're the, you know, they're going to be the, you know, the future of this town as far as real estate. Wow. I, I love that. I mean, I don't know why I've never in 10 years of being in this game, I've never even heard that idea of like necessarily, I mean, I'm just thinking like the idea of getting a line of credit, just like a business line of credit, a small one, and then doing the burr strategy and then raising that limit over time because banks want to lend their money out and they want to build the relationships. I don't know. I just think that's a fantastic idea. And I never, I never tried to do that. I, I mean, I always think in terms of like home equity line of credit, but you're actually talking about like a business line of credit. Is that right? We're talking about an unsecured line of credit. So, uh, so obviously we've, you know, in the beginning we, if we had a property paid for cash, you know, we would go and, and get a line of credit uh, and use that property for collateral. Yep. You know, so, you know, they could take that house if we didn't pay the bills. But, you know, our main goal was over the past couple of years to build a relationship good enough with these banks to where we get something unsecured so we don't have to put up uh, a property for collateral. So when we finally, when we finally did get that, that first line of credit, uh, they started us off with a hundred thousand. And uh, what's really cool, what we did with, the first time we used it, it worked out really nice 
we took the line, we found two houses that were that were seventeen thousand apiece. We bought both of those houses at the same time on the line. We we put about twenty twenty five or so in each property, and so what's that? We we had two apiece. Is that- yeah, we we had maybe forty two to fifty in each property. So we had our line pretty much all the way used up, but then both of the properties appraised for around 80, 85 a piece. So then when we went to closing to reclose on the properties after we, cause you have to reclose on the property a second time, you know, cause you buy it first with your, with the cash. Sure. And then when you put it back on permanent finance and you have to reclose, well, when we reclosed on the property, they actually cut us a check for $30,000 because of, of the, the equity that we had in the property. So it was up to us whether we wanted to take that 30,000 and put it back on the mortgage or take that 30,000 and do something else with it. So we took the 30,000 and went and bought a house cash with it. Oh, so essentially great. we essentially we feel like we got three houses for free, you know, yeah. cuz we we didn't put down any money. So I you know, I I've got a question on that. So on the unsecured side, do you think how much of 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 you being able to get an unsecured note do you think was based on the portfolio based on the success and i mean you know truth be told you you are obviously somebody of consequence in society right so you know how much of that had to do with you being who you are um could you know could joe schmo go and you know start to get his portfolio to kind of where you were at and then start and get that uh, unsecured line or do you think it might be a little tougher you know what? Um, I had heard stories of so I had a, a friend of mine in Iowa that was trying to get a hundred thousand dollar unsecured line, and he went to a couple banks. They told him no, 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 and then he went to kind of a, a little, you know, local local bank and told him he was using that unsecured line for his for his business, which is a mail order company. And finally, he landed on that bank that gave him the, the hundred grand. And I don't I think his I don't think his finances were were super crazy. Uh, his financial statement was super crazy. I don't think he had a big portfolio. And it's kind of the same thing with with my friends Tiger and Rach. You know, they have properties and stuff, but they didn't even have a a, a working relationship with that bank. But all it took was us going in there, kind of vouching for vouching for them, and 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 just like that, in a snap of a finger. Two weeks later, they had an unsecured line. So yeah. I, I think these days banks just aren't used to people walking in and asking for that. You know, maybe you know, ten, fifteen years ago, to my knowledge, that was maybe a little bit more common. But banks have kind of backed off of that, I think, and we've just kind of you know went in and and know that it's 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 a possibility and kind of push for it. So, so you know, to to somebody who's thinking about doing it, just get out there, shop. You know, definitely the smaller banks are are, and and we've learned that over the hundred and thirty plus shows and all the success stories we've had. You know, community banks, smaller local banks, uh, definitely are are more open and easier typically to work with in terms of getting these kinds of things. So don't don't necessarily start at the big guys, and you know. Look local. Look at the smaller banks, and you'll you'll probably have more success. Yeah, of course. And then you know, there's always a way to make it happen. You know, yeah. I mean, there's always a way to make it happen. You know, a, a lot of, in my opinion, a lot of unsuccessful people think that you know, there's only one way to make it happen. And if I can't get it that way, I'm just if I can't if I can't get it, then I'm just going to give up. Well, there's always a way to to get a loan. You know, I mean, if if you have to. 
you know, put a little side uh, account to the side and, and start and start saving a little bit for a 20% down payment. I, I think it's possible, you know, for, for anyone to do that because, you know, there was a point in my, you know, financial, I guess, you know, my financial path of, of where I'm at right now is I didn't really know even how to manage my money correctly, you know, and I think a lot of people might fall under that category, but, and I did too, you know, there was a point to where I didn't even realize that I, I needed two bank accounts. You know, there was a point where I just had one bank account and now I realize the more bank accounts I have, the more money I have because, <laughs> because the, the more, the more I manage my money, the more money I have to manage. There you go. And, yep. and, and I real and the second that I realized that it kind of changed the whole game for me. And, and I'm talking even like I, it's down to now to where I give every dollar a purpose. You know, if a, if a hundred dollar check comes in, I'll just say a hundred dollars. Sometimes I'll split that hundred dollar check and I'll, I'll put 25 in the tax account. I'll put 25 in the investment account. I'll put 25 in the, in the savings, you know, you know, and, and I've, I've learned that over the years, the more I manage my money, the more I have more to manage. And that's the biggest thing is you come across people that want to invest in real estate and, the first thing they say is, I can't. I can't yeah. afford it. Well, the moment you say you can't is the moment you've kind of created your own destiny and you can't. But yeah. the, mom- the moment you say, I'm going to figure it out, then there's a- you can find a plan to get it done. Yeah, yeah for sure. I love that. For sure. And, and that's, that's pretty much what the, the Richest Man in Babylon was, was all about. It's a pretty cool book. You know, pretty much take, take your money, earmark it, put it away, and, you know, if you can't or don't want to do creative methods for for acquiring property, um, you know, st- start that way. Which is funny because I'm this morning I saw a, a piece of news in the San Diego Union Tribune about uh, San Diego. Mm. Cre- you know, uh, the the median price home there is up to five hundred eighty nine thousand dollars in San Diego, and they said the average. Uh, household earning eighty nine thousand dollars would ha- saving ten percent of their income would have to save for eighteen years to get a down payment for a house in San Diego. Whoa. Those numbers are crazy. And then I think about where you're at, and I'm like, oh man, you know, <laughs> you want to start investing? Look, look outside the box if you have to. You know, typically we like to say, you know, look within an hour or two of where you are, and pretty much anywhere in the country you could find property that's affordable within an hour or two of where you are. But I want to dig in on the, the mindset more because I, I see you as kind of this philosophical guy and I love that. And, and, and so, um, you know, people should put their money away, obviously. H- how does somebody who's, you know, I don't know. I mean, t- take a guy who just graduated high school, college or something, you know, they don't have much going on. They, they, they got their first job, but they see the picture, Right. They see the light. They know real estate is a path, but they don't. They're stuck. They don't see any way to get there. What would you say to that guy? How would you guide him to kind of get the ball rolling? I would say, uh, man, what I did and what worked for me is, you know, and and what, what one one of the biggest mentors I have in this town. Uh, the guy owns like half of the town. He's like a, a an older guy. He's you know he owns a lot of commercial property around here. And he told me a long time ago, and he still tells me today, the biggest thing in real estate is what you don't know. So if you're that guy, that high the guy that just got out of high school, go find someone that does know about it in your town and go talk to them. You know. 
you know, we're, we're, it's, you're not born with this type of knowledge. So go find someone that's done it before. And like I said, nine times, nine times out of 10, they're going to sit down with you and tell you how they did it or how to get started. And they're going to, they're going to see something. If, if they're going to see something in, in that person's eyes that they want something more for themselves. So, so nine times out of 10, they're really going to want to help that person. And, and, you know, it's happened to me a couple of times where I've had some, some younger guys come to me and, and they've said, I want to, I want to get started in this. You know, how, how, how did you get going? And I went and sat down at a coffee shop with a, a couple of them. And, you know, there was a younger couple, um, the, the, the kid shoots, he shoots photos for a living and they grew up here, but now they're living in Nashville and they sat down with me and they brought a pen and paper. And I said, look, I want to start off by saying, I don't know everything. I just know what I've done and I'm learning every day. And, uh, I'll, tell you everything I know start to finish. And we sat at the coffee shop for about two hours. And that was like less than a year ago. And now they have uh, two properties in Nashville where they live. And they took the knowledge that I gave them. They probably had to revise it a little bit because they were in a different market. But it was more about them stepping out of their comfort zone and knowing that it was possible. And I think just sitting down with someone that's done it before, it makes it all that much more yeah. possible, you know. Yeah. You said yeah, that for sure. Earlier you said something about the idea of, you know, things seem overwhelming sometimes, especially buying rental properties, but now for you it's just like, oh, I'm going to go buy it. And I was thinking that the other day in the car when, you know, I mentioned that in a podcast a few weeks ago, I was making an offer through text message. And like I wasn't even thinking about it. Like while driving, I was illegally texting and making an offer. And I was like like just amazed at how easy it seems now. And so other people they're sitting there for a year scared to death about making an offer. And so I think the solution you just said about just hang around with people who that is easy, it just becomes easier for you. It just becomes so much more simple. Yeah. And I hate to say it, but even, you know, there was a time in my life where I didn't start cutting people off that didn't have the mindset that I had, but there are a lot of people that you can surround yourself with that, that, don't want more for themselves. And sometimes that can, that can bring you down or you can, you can choose to be around people that want more for themselves. And you'll probably find that, you know, you, you're going to stay more motivated, you know, like, you know, I, I read in that book and I still say it today, you know, if, if you want to fly with the Eagles, you know, why are you swimming with the ducks? And, and I read that and I'm like, man, there's a lot of ducks I'm, I'm kind of walking around with. <laughs> I, 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 I kind of want to be around the Eagles. So now if, you know, I do surround myself with those positive people that believe that they can do anything. And, uh, and I surround myself with people that want more, even if they don't have what they want yet, they want it and they believe that they can have it. And that always motivates me as well. That's yeah. huge, man. That's huge. And, and I, you know, I've been through that myself where, you know, I've saw the people around me kind of bringing me down a little bit and was like, Oh, you know, I want people who are ambitious. I want people who are striving for success. I want people who are goal oriented. And, you know, once, once you change your mindset, once you change your, the people that you surround yourself with, yeah, it's amazing. I mean, it's literally just being around successful people helps you breed success. And, and that's absolutely uh, phen- phenomenal. Um, I, I want to talk about your portfolio a little bit and, and I don't know how open you are and, and, you know, you don't have to, you don't have to tell us anything if you don't want to, but I, I'm, <laughs> I'm just curious, you know, what kinds of property are you buying? It seems like single family houses. Have you, uh, expanded from that to multifamilies? Have you done any commercial deals? Uh, tell us a little bit about your, your, your portfolio. 
Yeah, we, my wife and I started off with sing, single family homes, you know, because that's what we felt comfortable with, uh, you know, and, and like I said, we felt comfortable with it. So we were just kind of buying one after another. We, we, were, we were doing some cash in the beginning and now we've obviously kind of smartened up a, a little bit and realized that we don't want to use our own money for pretty much anything if, if we don't have to. When I met my business partner, he had, you know, like I said, Kenny Barnes, he, had, he manages 500 properties. So he's really in the hen house and knows a lot. He's had a lot of opportunities to see, you know, all these owners make mistakes in 20 years. So he kind of knows what not to do. So after partnering up with him, I felt a little bit more comfortable about going into to multi-unit stuff. So we've, we've done their, uh, stuff as big as eight plexes and four plexes. And just because that's kind of what me and him are comfortable with right now. Right now, we're kind of sitting down and talking uh, weekly, monthly, about what are our next steps, you know, because right now, an Aplex is, it's comfortable for us, you know. We, we do want to branch off and start doing something bigger, and to do that, you just got to grow a pair and get in there and do it and f- figure out a way to, to use that line or to use that extra liquid that you have to jump into that to that bigger project and that's probably what our next steps are going to be but yeah we have some we have some you know some duplexes some fourplexes some aplexes and then obviously uh, a handful of of a uh, single family homes right on right on i think we're going to title this show get out there and grow a pair yeah <laughs> and i never say that i never say that but i'm just i don't know why i'm saying that. <laughs> i love it i love it all right so Whether you need to buy or sell, or you're just obsessed with looking at homes for sale, Redfin's got you covered. Redfin updates their listings every two minutes to help you see new homes first. And they give you personalized recommendations based on the homes you like, so you can find a home that's just right for you, whether that's a cabin, a craftsman, or a castle. With the top-rated Redfin app, you can favorite homes, share listings with others, and schedule tours even on the same day with a local Redfin agent who can help guide you through the whole home buying process. And if you're looking to sell, Redfin agents have the experience to help you get the best price possible for your home. That's because they sell twice as many homes as other agents. With a listing fee as low as 1%, Redfin's fees are half of what others often charge, which means you'll have more money to put towards what matters most to you, like your next home. In fact, last year, Redfin saved home sellers $127 million. No matter where you are in your real estate journey, Redfin can help. Download the Redfin app to get started today. Finding rental property insurance has been a headache for the past few years. You know the feeling. You're scrambling, calling 20 different insurance agencies in a dozen different cities, struggling to protect your portfolio at the right cost. But I'm going to tell you a little secret that'll change everything. Veteran investors don't go through the everyday insurance companies. They just use NREG. NREG, that's N-R-E-I-G, provides insurance solely for real estate investors. They've built the largest insurance program in the country for residential tenant-occupied, vacant, and renovation properties. The best part? You can put all your properties on one insurance schedule and one monthly bill. And you can add, change, or remove properties without having to cancel one policy and purchase another. They insure properties from single-family rentals, up to 20-unit multifamily dwellings, vacation rentals, mobile homes, condos, and more. Trade catchy jingles for cash flow with insurance made for investors. Visit nreg.com slash bppod to request a proposal. nreig.com slash bppod. 
Remember when you had to pay to get a lead's phone number? It was like the dark ages. Until Deal Machine made skip tracing a thing of the past. Now, with your Deal Machine plan, you'll get unlimited access to phone numbers and contact information for no extra cost. That's right, get high quality, reliable information trusted by leading financial institutions, all fully compliant with the federal do not call list. Explore over 150 data points, including age, gender, marital status, occupation, and a ton more. Trust me, this is the data you need for off-market deals. With new filters, people flags, and color-coded phone numbers, lead management just got a ton easier. Ready to step up your investing game? Sign up for a Deal Machine plan today and gain immediate access to this unlimited treasure trove of contact information and phone numbers. Just head to dealmachine.com bp. Transform your lead generation and deal-making strategies with Deal Machine. Sign up today and start exploring the unlimited possibilities at dealmachine.com slash BP. You got Kenny Barnes, your partner. This guy's been around. He's been doing all the, these great things. And, you know, yeah, there's you. So how do you, how do you guys work the partnership? Who does what? Uh, since you're not using your own money, what do you bring to the table? What does he bring to the table? How do you split everything I don't know, again, how much you're willing to share, but would love to hear more about that. Yeah, it's, uh, it was cool because, you know, at first he just started off managing my property, you know, and when I realized how much knowledge he knew, I started just going in weekly and sitting down in his office. He would schedule, he's very busy managing 500 properties, but he would always schedule an hour for me a week to just sit down and for me to ask questions, you know, and I would just, I would just drill them with a, a pen and a paper. I didn't have many rental properties. I just wanted to know more and more and more. Sure. So it went from me going into his office to ask questions to him letting me ride around with him and talk to tenants and talk to owners and go to the bank and, and meet with banks. And then one day we were just kind of riding around and we pulled over at a, at a vacant property and he said, man, you know, like, I really like your mindset, you know, and I really like that you're willing to learn and I really like that you want more for yourself and that, and that the sky's the limit for you. And you realize that he said, I, I feel like we should partner up and, and we should, I've thought about it and I've, you know, he said, I've had a lot of partners in the past and he said to himself, I would never get in another partnership situation because he has a lot of them. But he said, I, I just feel something different about you. And if you're comfortable with it, I would, I would want to enter into like a 50-50 partnership. So uh, since then, that was in like 2012, we've just been on fire. And uh, it's, it's great because he works, you know, he owns a property management company, so he's there every day. So the times that I'm not traveling and riding – I can pretty much go up there, jump in the truck with them and, you know, ride around, meet tenants, meet owners and continue this, this learning streak. So it's, it's been a real, uh, it's been the biggest blessing ever for me because, uh, not only are we acquiring properties because of him, we're acquiring properties that aren't really for sale. You know, we kind of have the inside scoop. We're kind of in the hen house is what he calls it because we kind of know that, this owner might be a little bit frustrated with this property. He's got 50 of them and he's 70 years old and he just wants to dump a couple and he doesn't want to spend money on this and that and the other. So we're, we know that we can kind of come in and, and lowball them with an offer and acquire the asset. And 
So that's kind of been our, our, our business model over the past couple of years is just kind of having that inside knowledge. Now, as far as how we run the day-to-day and, and what our different responsibilities are, since he's kind of tied down in his company of managing those properties so much and I kind of have a, a lot of free time because I ride a bike for a living, I'm kind of the one uh, sitting here just writing motivational notes that go to his email you know, and, and, and what is going to be our next steps and what are we going to talk about on that Wednesday meeting. We have uh, weekly meetings on Wednesday and those meetings consist of, you know, what are we doing with this project we just bought? What are we going to do that we just got this line up? Uh, how are we going to get from being where we're at right now to going to the next level, you know, is always our is always on our goal list of going just from being guys that invest in low income rentals and and decent rentals and multi complexes to how do we get to the point to where we really want to be at, which is you know hotels, gas stations, hundred plexes, and we know that that's in our in our future. We just we're on the path to getting there, and that's what those meetings are about. That's great, man. That's yeah. great, and and the idea of you know. It works out really well having a property manager who has that inside scoop on the tired landlords. I mean, I, 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 I've always thought of that. Like, hey, you know, the greatest way to ever find properties before they get on the market is to be a property manager because you know who's kind of getting fed up. You know who's just done or you know who's getting to the point in their careers where you know, they, they've made all the money they want. You know, they want to sell out and kind of move on and do something else. So that's... That's a great idea. Um, I, I wanted really, really quickly um, to, to also mention, you know, you had talked about getting in the truck with him and driving around with him. You know, the fact that he took you to the bank, the fact that he let you just do everything, that is unbelievable. And, and at the end of the day, you know, I guess what I want to put out there to those folks who are listening who are experienced, this is gold. You know, we, we've got this guy, Terry here, who's, who's like successful, probably would have been successful on his own, but, you know, obviously accelerated because of the mentorship of, of this guy that he's working with. And so I just really want to press upon the experienced investors that are listening. You know, if you've got these young guys, whether it's on bigger pockets on the forums, asking questions or just in your town, somebody local asking you, you know, to help out, uh, help them out. Because you probably wouldn't have gotten where you are without somebody else helping you. Step it up. Help somebody out. Take them around. You know, you don't take them to the bank the first time you hang out with them. But that's so cool. I mean, that, that is literally gold, being able to walk into a bank and seeing how he presents himself. Going to properties and seeing how he deals with tenants. That is unbelievable. I yeah. love that he did that. And I just want more uh, experienced folks to help other people to do it. Yeah, there's another guy out here that I that I mentioned, and, and this guy's he's kind of on another level. He's kind of like a, a a guy that everyone talks about that we kind of you know aspire to be at his level one, one day, and 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 hopefully we will be. Well, I met this guy. He's he's a, a a little bit older, been been in the game for a long time, and does a lot of commercial real estate. Uh, I was just riding my bike out in the parking lot one day that he owns the parking lot, and. He he stopped out there and just told me, you know, that I, I had to leave and I had to pull up my pants, you know, and because I'm just I kind of look like a hoodlum. I'm out there practicing for, <laughs> for like the the world championships in Germany or something. And at the time, that was my spot that I had to ride. So, 
you know, I kind of copped an attitude a little bit. You know, I have a, I have a tattoo on my stomach. I really look like a thug without my shirt off. <laughs> and, and, uh, you know, I copped an attitude really quick and said, you know, you can't, you can't kick me out of here. I said, you do not own this property. And he was really quick to say, I do own this property. <laughs> he said, he said, I own a lot of property, you know, in this town. And when he said that, I said, oh, I, I, I know, I know who you are, you know, and the, the guy's name is Ed Hoover. And, uh, he's kind of well known around this small town for, for owning a lot of property. Well, you know, he said, if you want to ride here and this is really what you do for a living, come to my office and I'll write you something out saying you can ride your bike here, you know, and that way, you know, I'm not liable if you get hurt. So I was at his office at seven o'clock the next morning. He's, he had, he had his secretary sign me up something. I still keep that in my car. I still ride out in that parking lot. And I developed a relationship with him over the years where I also got a lot of advice from him to where it's really helped even Kenny and I out because he's on the board at the, at that local bank. So now when our loans get pushed through, <laughs> get, get, get pushed through at the bank, you know, and they're, they're all the guys are in the, on the board looking if they should approve these loans or not, you know, you know, big Ed's in there and he's like, yeah, <laughs> I, I know Terry, you know, he's, he's the bike, he's a bike rider kid. He's doing good things. Uh, I believe in what those guys are doing. You know, let's, let's push this loan through. So that's great. Yeah. Inside connections, man. Look at you. That so we we talk about this thing. Everybody has their superpowers, right? Um, and anybody in real estate, uh, and and pretty much anything becomes successful because we all have one or two things that we're amazing at, and we have our advantage. And and you know, it's it seems like for you. I mean, not only is it your capacity to ride a bike like a ballerina, but it's you know, <laughs> that's a compliment. That's hey a, now, hey now. It's not an insult, man. Um, <laughs> hey now. But, 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 uh, um, for you to, you know, I mean, you, you took that one moment with a guy that, you know, you guys started shit talking and, and suddenly, you know, now you have a relationship, this guy's got a mentor to you and, and he's on the board at the bank who's, who's, you know, given, getting your back. That's a really great skill to have the capacity to, you know, transform opinions and the capacity to really work with people and build relationships. Yeah. And I think there was a time when he, you know, after that day, he would stop out there and talk to me. And he seen that, you know, at the time I I drove a ratty car and, you know, he knew I rode a bike for a living and I was traveling the world. But he also knew that, you know, I looked at him as a mentor and that any advice that he, he gave me, he knew that I was taking it in and he could feel that. So he would stop out there and our conversations went from, about where what country I just came from to nothing about the bike at all. And it was just me kind of asking him questions about, you know, how I get started or what should I do with my liquid? Should I hold on to it? Should I get rid of it? And some of the things that he's said to me over the over the years have just really stood out, you know. And, you know, one time we were we were out there and I was thinking about paying my house off. And um so I just ran it ran it past him real quick because I was really big on being secure at the time. You know, I, I, I always had this fear in me. Well, what, what, when bike riding's over, like, you know, what am I going to do? Like, even though I had these rental properties, like, should I just save up a big lump sum and pay off my, my current mortgage? And I just ran it past him real quick. I had the money ready. You know, my wife and I was about to, to pay off the house. And I said, Hey, I'm looking at paying my house off right now. And uh, he said, 
for why? For why would you want to do that? I said, you know, to be secure. And he said, man, I got, I got four, three stints in my heart. I don't know what he said. I don't want to quote him because he got mad at me for quoting him for something. <laughs> so, something I said. He said last time, but he said, you know, I got a couple stints in my heart. And he said, you know, you got to live life now. You know, you you can't worry about being secure. He said, you take that money and you keep doing what you're doing with it. You keep investing in rental property because you cannot build wealth with liquidity and you cannot just hold on to that cash. You can't pay off your house right now because it's not going to be worth, it's not going to be worth what you paid for it in five years. It's just not. So keep doing what you're doing and you're going to be better off. And so I had to come home and explain to my wife that, Hey, we're not going to pay off the house now. We're gonna, we're, <laughs> we're, we're going to keep we're going to hold on to that money and keep investing in real estate. And I'm I'm really glad he gave me that that piece of advice and and I've I've kind of held on to it, you know, because he's he's been really big on, you know, making sure that, you know, I I keep liquid in the bank, but I don't need a a, a ton of it, you know, but I I can remember one time we were out there and he said what's the difference between you know, me and a lot of people that are driving around the street right now. And I said, what? He said, liquid cash. You know, a lot of people just don't have liquid on hand. So if you have an opportunity to keep some, keep some, but you don't need that much. You take your other liquid and you invest it because that's where you're going to build wealth. And after he started talking to me about building wealth is when I got pretty serious about, you know, going to my financial statement and knowing where I was at. Because if you don't know where you're at, you really, in my opinion, you really can't push for your goal as far as you know where you want to be at financially. So the first time I worked up my financial statement, you know, my net worth sheet, it was crazy to me because I had no idea where I was at with the bill with the the loans that I had out there, sure. with the with the credit cards, with yeah. the medical bills, with with the properties. I had no idea where I was at. So when I worked it all up, you know, uh, and seeing the, where I was at, it was like, I don't know if I was in the negative, but I was, I was pretty close to it, you know, but then I became obsessed with building that net worth. You know, it was like, man, I, I want to get this thing. I want to get this thing The you know, to, to, an, I want to be a millionaire. I'll just say it, you know, sure. <laughs> I want to, I want to be a millionaire. I want to, I want to say that, that my net worth is, is at, is at a million. And, I'm happy to say that with investing in real estate, it was relatively easy to make those numbers grow because every time we brought a property, you know, not only the tenants were sticking money in the equity and that net worth sheet was changing every month, but nine times out of 10, we were buying a property that was worth 30,000 more than what we got it for. And it was also adding to, to that net worth sheet. So to say that I I really stand by that net worth sheet and I, I update that thing probably more than I should, but it's just kind of uh, an obsession of mine because I I know that that's what that's what really matters. You know, the the guys that are really wealthy out there, they're not talking about how much liquid they have in the bank. You know, they're not talking about how much income they made that year. They're talking about what their net worth is. Yeah. So. And that's what I, that's what I think anyway, you know, and, and that's, that's kind of what I've done over the past couple of years. And it's, it's, it's great. It's great to always know where I'm at, you know, financially. That's, that's great advice. Great yeah. advice. And, and yeah, yeah. Uh, again, anybody listening, you know, if you're, if you're not tracking that stuff, 
you don't know where you are. So, so you have no, you have no idea. I mean, you, yeah. uh, I mean, really you could have, you could have, uh, $500,000 in the bank or, you know, you could have a million dollars in the bank and you could work your numbers up and you could be broke. You know, you have so much debt behind you. So, so it's good to know that, to know kind of, you know, what loans you need to tweak down and you need to know what areas you need to work on to, to build it up. Yeah, Yeah, for sure. Well, cool. Awesome. Well, that's probably a good place to uh, transition to our kind of uh, next round of the show, which we call... It's time for the fire round. The fire round, these questions come directly out of the Bigger Pockets forum. So these are real users that are asking these questions and uh, we're going to fire them at you. So number one, what steps should I take to acquire my first property, a duplex or triplex? Like they want to buy a duplex or triplex. What steps should they take to buy that first one? I would say get with a real estate agent, uh, but get with a real estate agent that deals and has sold investment property before. Yeah. Because that was kind of one of our first mistakes in the beginning is, you know, she was a good person. I'm still friends with her, but she wasn't really a real estate agent that sold investment property. She was just kind of, you know, just getting started and she we probably would have bought a different property if we would have aligned ourselves with a real estate agent that worked with investors than just, you know, a normal person looking for a house. So that would be my advice. Get with a real estate agent that kinda knows what they're doing, has been in the game for a while, and that knows investment property. Yeah. Good advice. And w- yep. one just tip that people can who are listening or watching this on YouTube can uh, check out biggerpockets.com slash meet, M-E-E-T. You can go there and you can type in your zip code and you can find people in your area and you can sort them by like if they're an agent or if they're an investor, if they're a wholesaler or whatever. Uh, so, I, you know, if I wanted a agent friendly or investor friendly agent in, you know, wherever, I could go and look for them there. So kind of cool. So check that out, biggerpockets.com slash meet, not the beef kind. Nice, All right. Nice. All right. Next question. <laughs> What can I do with $10,000? How can I invest it strategically? <laughs> you go to Michigan and buy it. Oh, no! <laughs> go to Michigan and buy a property cash money. Oh, boy. All right. Yeah. I mean, no, my, my advice to that would be is, is if it's your first property, man, hold off for hold off. You know, go buy, go buy a book or two. Read a little bit about money management and about resetting your financial blueprint that's in your brain you know the way you the way you think about that ten thousand dollars might not be the way you need to be thinking about it you know so so maybe you know go give yourself some knowledge on changing the way you think about money because after you read that book you know you might have a different plan for it yeah that's great that's great Uh, you know more and more I I agree with you. I, you know, I, I wouldn't have disagreed with you a long time ago, but I didn't really think about it, right? Yeah. So, um, you know, over the years, I've I've talked to thousands and thousands of investors, and and really, that's exactly what it is. This is a mindset. You have to have the mindset. If you don't have the mindset, and you haphazardly just go out and do it, odds are you're probably going to fail. So. You know, you've got to be there. You've got to be mentally ready to do this, and you've got to be in a you know a position to understand what's to come and where where you need to to be. So I I love that man. Exactly. Yeah. Cool. Cool. Okay. So uh, next question. We kind of covered this earlier, but I'm going to ask it again here. Maybe you uh, can expand on it. How would you suggest that I start saving my money for investing? 
Because a lot of people struggle with the saving thing. So somebody asked that question, how do, how do I even start saving? Uh, I'll tell you what, what I did and, and my wife has done over the years that's really worked for us is, you know, obviously most people have a checking and a savings account. My advice is to open up one more account and title it my investment account. You know, you can go in online and your bank info, you can actually title it. This is my investment account. And everything that goes in there, you know that that's not your savings, that's not your emergency fund, that's not your checking. Everything that goes in there is going to be for, you know, an investment property or some type of investment venture that you decide to do. And, you know, when I first tell people that, you know, when people have asked me that question before, their, their first initial saying is, but you can do that because you have more money or I can't do that, you know, but you can because, you know, every time I think I'm going to spread myself more thin by opening up another account, I have more money because I'm given those dollars a purpose, you yeah. know, and, and to the point to where now I, I have an account that's just a play account to where it's an account to congratulate myself for how good I've done that year, you know, or, you know, open up, we, we started a separate account that was just like, just for our new pool. We started another account that was just for our, our new house. So, but still our main account that we're most proud of because it's done the most damage is that account that's labeled investment account, because we know that if a, if a dollar goes in there, that dollar's going out to get spent on something that's going to bring money back in. Love I love it. that. Yeah. Love Fan- it. Right. Fantastic. Last question on the fire round. Do you suggest living in the houses you flip while renovating or live away from the property? So, you know, kind of doing this live in flip thing where you move in, fix it up while you're there, flip it and move on to the next one or just, you know, kind of flip a property that you're not staying in. Well, um, we've never flipped the property. Um, well, then that's a bad know. question. <laughs> yeah. You know, so every time we, we run the numbers on flipping a property. We just can't wrap our head around it in this market because we, you know, we, we barely have any vacancies, you know, our properties stay rented out and we just kind of run the numbers of what we're going to make on this thing in, in three to five years. And it just doesn't make sense, sense for us. So fair enough. Yeah. Right on, man. Well, well, I'll you know supplement it with a different question then, which is, what's your best success tip for for new investors? I would say what I said earlier is uh, ask questions. You know, right on. Ask questions, and if you don't want to be a, a a lot of people get afraid. This is what I'll say when you talk to people about rentals, and I know you guys know this firsthand. The first thing that people say is they always want to say what they've heard from. Oh, my aunt has rentals and they have problems with it. My uncle has investment properties or my sister knows someone that has and they just have so many problems. Well, if you listen to everyone else, it's just lanyard, you know. You you really got to go out and do it for yourself, you know. All these horror stories and stuff that that people hear and that they come at me when when we talk about investing, it's never been that stressful for me. So, yeah, you know, maybe those people that are investing in those properties that you're hearing those those horror stories from, maybe those people don't have a property manager to take care of everything for them. Because if you have a good property manager, you shouldn't be doing anything. You know, you should just be sitting back, and the only time you know your phone should ring 
is if they got your bank account info wrong, you know, and, they, and, and you know, and that's if you have a good property manager, you know, but maybe a lot of these people that are going to tell you horror stories are people that were trying to manage it themselves and that weren't good with running their own business because essentially that's what investing and having rentals is. It's, it's running your own business. And if that's not something that you're good at, you need to hand it over to someone else. Yeah. Yeah, I, it's so true. I mean, real estate is a business. I mean, it's an investment, but it's just like running any other business. Like the guy running Subway and the guy running a flipping business or the guy running a rental business. And so, you know, the, yeah, I, I think that's terrific advice. I actually would love to hand over all my stuff to property management someday, uh, but there are no property management t- companies in my town that are even halfway decent. So I'll get start, there. Start one. That's that's the next, yeah. Yep. So yeah, we kind of did. Yeah, we started our own. And yeah, well, and then you get the inside scoop on the deal. And then we get the inside. Yeah. Well, after, after you said that today, Terry, I'm like, I really should be doing that. Like, you know, I manage all my own under my own property management company, but I really should like start managing for other people because of that very reason. I love that. Yeah, when I'm telling you that Kenny has the inside scoops and he's in the hen house, I mean, you know firsthand if this person's getting frustrated with their property. You know that they're at a point to where they're desperate to get it rented out. You know that they're at a point to where it's got a lot of renovations that it needs and and that they don't want to fix it up, you know? So if someone's got $5,000 worth of repairs and they don't want to fix it up, well, it's not going to get rented. So it's, it's kind of up to them. Either you fix this thing or you can sell it, but it's not going to get rented in the shape that it's in. And I can remember a couple, a couple years ago, I was on an airplane flying to a bike contest with a, a good friend of mine, Scott O'Brien. And it was probably like right when I started investing in rentals. And I was kind of telling him all these good deals we were getting. And he said, man, well, why... He goes, the only thing I don't understand, if, if these are such good deals, why are the these owners getting rid of them? And I was investing in real estate at the time. I had rentals, and I could not give him an answer. I was kind of like, wait, say that again? And he, <laughs> That's he a said, good question. He said, why, why are they selling off these rentals? If they're good investments, then, then why not just keep them? Well, I didn't have an answer then. And now, after being in the game a couple years, I know the exact answer to that question. And the answer is, you know, a, a good owner keeps up with the property, and as things break, they fix it, you know. And a lot of the owners that are selling their stuff to us anyway have just, you know, let these properties get so bad that they're beyond the point of like putting in a couple hundred dollars. They could have been maintaining it the whole time, but then when their tenant finally moves out, not only they don't want to put the ten, uh, the the five or ten grand to get it fixed up, they've also been taking all their cash flow and not putting it back in their business account yep. to take care of that stuff. So they're not prepared for it. So you're catching basically owners that haven't prepared for the future, which is the which is the biggest mistake. You know, um, you know, you set these things up as a business, so the money that comes in. You put it back in a business account to prepare for these things. You don't spend all that positive cash flow, and that's why that's why they get rid of them because they're yep. in a they're in a bind and they didn't do it smart. You know, yeah, yep, yep. Terry, that's that's amazing, and 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 it's true. I mean, straight up true, and that's why new get new investors who who say, "Hey, I've got no money, and I want to buy rental properties." And, you know, the gurus might say, hey, yeah, put it on your credit cards and go, you know, and, you know, listen, some people have gone and done that. I know, Brandon, you've bought a property with a credit card. I'm not, well, besmirching it. Repairs, repairs. 
But, but like <laughs> you have to have a reserve. You have to have a reserve. You've got yeah. to have that cash in the bank. So when things happen, you could jump on it because putting it off is a death sentence. And, and you, you just nailed it, man. So really love that. Love that. Love that. Yeah. That. Like when, when I first start, when I first partnered up with Kenny, you know, I was really illiterate to that side of, of real estate because everything that I had bought up until that point was cash. So of course I was taking out a lot of the money and, and using it for living expenses. But when we first partnered up, I sat down with them and I, the, one of my first questions was, when are we going to be able to start taking money for ourselves, you know, like right away. And it really scared him because he's like, Whoa, you know, like, you know, he, he had a lot of properties at the time and he, he, he wasn't even taking a salary out for himself. So now I know kind of why that, why that scared him because, you know, even where we're at right now, we, we take a very small salary and the reason we are even taking that salary out is to motivate us to up it every year. But we're very, we're very reasonable about it. You know, we know that the only way we're going to give ourselves a raise out of the company account at the end of the year is if we murdered it that year and that we have a lot more properties that we acquired that are bringing in more money. But you know, if, if we, if we didn't murder it that year, then our, our monthly salary is going to stay the same. Yeah. I I like that. I like that, you know, kind of motivating you to, to, to move forward. Very cool. Yeah. Very cool. All right. Um, let's move on to the last segment of the show, which we call lovingly our famous four. These questions we ask every single guest every single week, and uh, we're going to throw them at you. Uh, the first one is, uh, and I know you said you're not a huge reader, but do you have a favorite real estate book? My favorite book of all time, I got to go back to that Secrets of the Millionaire Mind. Sure. Be- be- because it, cha- it changed my life. You know, it, it really did. And in, in every form, it, it changed my life. It wasn't necessarily just about real estate investing, but just the basic fundamentals of what an asset was versus a liability. Look at you. Look at you. <laughs> I got the book. You I, kiss look. up. I've only actually read half of it, so now I'm going to have to read the other half. You've never read that book? I read half of it, and then I never really? finished it for some reason. I mean, because you gave me grief about four-hour work week, <laughs> and you've had Millionaire Minds sitting on your shelf for eight years, and you haven't gotten past yeah, halfway. It's been like a year. I'll, not fi- only, I'll finish not it only, now. Not only I have that book, I buy extra copies of it, and when I do come across people that are, are, are wanting to expand their mind a little bit, I'll give the book out and I'll nice. even go through and highlight the parts that, that, that kind of stuck out to me, you know? Oh, that's cool. That's awesome. Yeah. Dude, look that's at really you great. pulling that book down. You got me. Yeah. There. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. That next question, business book. Do you, you know, do you read business books? Uh, you have any favorites in, in that realm? Uh, not, not so much, not okay. so much, you know, uh, well, this the, one's kind of the mix between yeah, real estate yeah. and business. Yeah, it's, it's kind of so, a mix between the two. You know, it's a mindset for, book. So yeah, yeah. For me, right right now, and in, in my career, it's it's uh, it's managed between bike riding, managing the the sponsors that I have, uh, the traveling that comes along with it, and then when I'm here, just aggressively doing the real estate thing. So it's uh, not not there's not too much book reading going on, but I need to get I need to get back on that because I know that that's that's where the knowledge lies is in those pages. Sure. Well, you know what? Sure. What I've been doing lately a lot because I never have time to read it all. I used to read a lot. I don't read it all anymore. So I started listening to audiobooks whenever I could. And so the last like two months, I've listened to like I don't know seven or eight different audiobooks, and I've been kind of obsessing about that. So 
Yeah, that's that's another reason why I like riding around with Kenny because I can, I can read something in the book and I'll forget it. But if I'm riding around with him and you know we meet an owner that made a mistake or we meet a tenant that has a problem or we learn something at the bank that we didn't know before, those things are going to I'm going to remember those things more than something that I read. Yep. So, you know, sometimes riding around in the truck for, for him for 2 hours, you know, I'm going to learn more than I would learn and, and read in two books because yep. I'm going to re- remember it, you know? Yep. Yeah. Right on. Right on. All right. My last question in the famous four, what do you do for fun? I mean, the cool thing about you is I work for fun. I, I ride a bike. That's, that's amazing. But outside of, outside of your fun career, which I, I am completely envious of, <laughs> um, what, what do you do for fun? Um, man, I ride, you know, <laughs> I, I, I just got to say it. I ride. That's great. It, like I said, it was a childhood dream. I, I've been riding that bike since I was eight, nine years old. And, uh, I don't know how much research you did on flatland, but it's, it's kind of like an infinite art form. There's, there's never really an end to what you can come up with on that bike. There's tricks being invented all over the world right now. And, I can go on YouTube and there's kids in South America and India and Japan and, you know, Korea, any country you can think of, they're out there creating new tricks on these bikes. So it's, it's always been a passion of mine. So obviously when when I have time, it's what I do for a living. I'm out there on the bike and, uh, and enjoying it. So it's cool. Quick, quick question. You know, we're all, you know, we're all kids at heart. So what is it like? being the guy that gets to have the career that was his childhood dream. I mean, that's, you know, that's kind of a special thing. I, I think everybody on this planet would love to have the opportunity to live the childhood dream and you do. So I, since we've got you, I, I just would love to ask you that. It is something that I just never want to take for granted, you know? So, so for me, taking it for granted would be not riding my bike when I get, get the chance. Yeah. For me, taking it for granted would be not keeping those sponsors updated, uh, you know, not, not doing it to the best of my ability to, so, you know, I think that's why I've been successful at my career is that I knew how much work, I know how much work it took to get to this point. So I just never want to let it go. So I just don't want to take it for granted, I guess is, is the, is the best answer. You know, I, I just, when I get out of bed every morning and to know that, my job is is to ride that bike, you know, nine times out of 10, I'm going to find some time in the day to get on that bike, you know? Yeah. 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 That's amazing. That's amazing. Cool. Excellent. All right. My final question of the famous four, uh, what do you believe sets apart the successful investors from those who give up, fail, or never get started? I think that the successful investors or the successful people that get started, they take action you know, and, and they jump right in and everyone else, they, they kind of, they're in that procrastination mode to where they want to do it. They might think they can do it, but there's always something stopping them, you know? And a lot of guys that I know when they invested in that first property, it kind of broke down that wall and it broke down that, that barrier. So it's, it's kind of all about just taking, taking that step, taking that leap. I was talking to my friend Tiger last night on the phone and telling him that I was doing this, this podcast. And we're, we got into the subject of real estate a little bit and talking about when he bought his first rental, it was actually in a time where 
his job had, was stopped. You know, like I don't know if he got laid off or he quit or he got fired. I forgot the details on it, but basically, at a time when you know most people would never think about buying a rental because their income just stopped, he he took a chance and he bought a rental property. And you know now you know a couple years down the road, he's in a much better place because because he started taking those chances. Yeah. That's cool. Fantastic. Hey, Fantastic. One more, I'm going to add to the famous four. Just, I saw my notes here. It says you've been on Glee. Why were you on, <laughs> why were you on Glee? I don't know, man. Uh, <laughs> what, what's funny about that is I was on Glee in 2009 and it's like a residual plan uh, where you get paid when it keeps playing. So since 2000, I'm still getting payments in the mail from Glee. And wow. we, we were complaining, a couple of the BMX athletes were complaining that day that our pay is not that high, you know, like we, you guys should give us some better pay. Well, we were on the Super Bowl episode of Glee. So they kind of pulled us to the side and they were like, you're good. <laughs> you're like, you're, you're getting, you're not getting paid that much today, but you're going to be getting checks for a long time for, for, for this p- particular episode. And here we are six, six years later and <laughs> you know, Glee checks are showing up, you know, yeah. sometimes they're 49 cents, but Hey, you know, <laughs> You know me. I'll take that forty nine cents and break it off. Break it know, up. <laughs> I'll break it up and, and and go put put it in a couple of accounts. I, I awesome. used to be in the entertainment business, and my my friends like to call those "Are you residual unemployment?" You know, I'm not working a job today, but I'm getting paid from the residuals. So you know, it's yeah. it, that that is one of the nice things about that that business for sure. I have a friend that did like a Casper the Friendly Ghost movie type thing like twenty years ago. Well, he showed up to do it. And he, he, they didn't even use them. They were like, oh, we, we don't need you for today, but you can just hang out. Well, 20 years later, he's still getting the residual check. <laughs> and he wasn't, even in, he wasn't even in there. There you go. I'm in, the wrong, I'm in the wrong industry. I'm going yeah. to Hollywood. All right. All right. All right let's get out of here. Listen, man, it's, it's been an absolute pleasure. Um, let's, let's give you a second here to, to plug. Where can people find you? Check you out. Watch your videos. Tell us, tell us where to go. Uh, you can go. Uh, my Instagram is uh, at Terry Adams BMX. Uh, my Twitter is at Terry Adams BMX. My Snapchat. Careful what you see on that. <laughs> get a little wild on there. That's as well <laughs> at Terry Adams BMX. And uh, my fan page on Facebook is is what stays updated the most. And you can just type in Terry Adams fan page, and and I'm the guy with the blue check. You know. Nice. There might be a couple of them, but I'm the I'll have a check by mine that shows that it's verified. That's great, man. And and your website is terryadamsbmx.com. That's it. That's okay. it. And I, I'm gonna I'm gonna take a selfie with you with you guys for my Snapchat right oh, now. Yeah, <laughs> hold on. I should do the same. Where's that phone? Dude, All right, Terry. Hey, thanks hey, again, man. I appreciate it, and uh, you guys are awesome. And I look forward to hearing this thing. Awesome. Yeah, for sure. Hey, thank you very much. We'll see you around. All right, thank you. All right, guys. That was Terry Adams. I'm sorry again uh, that uh, Brandon had to be a part of it <laughs> for his insults up front, but uh, I don't you know, know what you're talking about. I yeah, no idea. Yeah. Now that was that was great. Definitely enjoyed it, and you know, lots of lots of really great tips, uh, especially for newer investors. There, there's some real gold in there. So so listen up and uh, take notes and get out and take some action, guys. Uh, otherwise. Thanks for listening. We really appreciate it. This is show 134 of the Bigger Pockets podcast. If you're listening to us on your phone, on iTunes, uh, please 
jump on there and take a minute to leave us a rating and review and subscribe. If you're not subscribing to the show, subscribe. We've got other guests lined up. Great. You know, we're looking for big guests, little guests. We're anyone who invests in real estate. We're trying to tell their stories. And, and so um, subscribe and learn from these guys who are out there doing it. Um, and, and leave us those ratings and reviews. They really do help us. Otherwise, jump on Bigger Pockets. It's an amazing community of active investors who can mentor you, who you can mentor, who you can partner with, who you could do deals with. Get in there, get active, get involved, and make moves. Otherwise, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, G+. You know, interact with us, connect with us, and share our videos and posts and articles and, and stuff and, and help other investors learn by getting the word out. That's all I got for you. I'm Josh Dorkin, signing off. You're listening to Bigger Pockets Radio, simplifying real estate for investors large and small. If you're here looking to learn about real estate investing without all the hype, you're in the right place. Be sure to join the millions of others who have benefited from biggerpockets.com, your home for real estate investing online. The market is changing, and finding your way can be tricky. Rates shift, headlines whirl, but your goal hasn't changed. You want financial freedom, and the best investors know it's not about timing the market, it's about time in the market. If you're ready to get into the real estate investing game or take your game to the next level, finding an investor-friendly agent is your next step. With BiggerPockets Agent Finder, you can find the right agent in minutes. Just head to biggerpockets.com deals and enter a few details about what and where you want to buy, and bam! Instantly match with an investor-friendly agent who fits the bill. These local market experts can help you navigate the neighborhoods, analyze the numbers, and take action with confidence once and for all. This free resource is only available at biggerpockets.com deals. Get an agent, get the deal, and get closer to financial freedom at biggerpockets.com deals. That's biggerpockets.com deals to find your investor-friendly agent today. The content of this podcast is for informational purposes only. Past performance is not indicative of future results, and all hosts and participant opinions are their own. Investment in any asset, real estate included, involves risk. Use your best judgment and consult with qualified advisors before investing. Only risk capital you can afford to lose. BiggerPockets LLC disclaims all liability for direct, indirect, consequential, or other damages arising from reliance upon information presented in this podcast.